As usual, we should start with a prayer. Yeah. And we, I guess the serenity prayer, who, who can lead it? How about uh, this young lady whose name I've already forgotten? Oh, Susan. Susan. God, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Well, my name is Roy. I'm a compulsive reader in a miracle of mental health. But we're back to our... Hi, group. We got the hardcore remnants here who are interested in the uh, big book approach. And my buddy Sherry's here, and some OAs have attended her thing, and she's really super. And her first part of her seminar is about getting a food plan and an abstinence together, and I th and that is absolutely excellent to attend one of her presentations. She happens to be a, a good buddy of mine in the fellowship. And I always love hearing her. So some people are attending that, which is good. But people here know that I've been going through the big book and the step process. And I feel that, and I was talking to one of our members at, over the breakfast table there about how important it is to work the tools, get your food plan, get your abstinence, get your God squad, your support group, get a commitment at a meeting, get a home group, Okay, get those two sides of the triangle, unity and service, in place. And then when your head is clear, as the book says, you know, some of them are jittery or be fogged, so we hospitalize them. But when your, head, when your head's clear from the sugar for 30 days, you may be ready to sit down with a guy like me and go through this step process and build a power that will keep you connected and will keep the insanity of the first convulsive bite out of your head for the rest of your life. Now, I played uh, in one of the first sessions a little bit of Bill's 1951 Dallas tape where he told about Ebby's visit. And he started with the fact that Ebby just was this guy that was worse than him. And now, with two months of sobriety, Bill's considering him a miracle. That's to use Bill's own language. I'm not saying that Bill is. And, the, and, he, and Ebby delivers a simple verbal message which contains, in Bill's own words, the essence, the core of what is still the AA program today, he says. Speaking in 1951, 12 years after that, or more than 12 years after that. So, um, the simple message was, you get honest with yourself about your defects, your, your, your abusive, well, in our case, food, in his case, alcohol. You stop living alone, you join a fellowship. You make an inventory and share it, you do a confession. You make restitution to all those you've harmed. You go help people with no thought of compensation or prestige. Just help people so they could be helpful. And you pray to whatever God there is out there to help you, right? So Abby brings him this message in his kitchen. He keeps on drinking. And I wanted to play it. It'll only take a minute, actually, probably less than a minute, of what happened after he brought him the message. He kept on drinking for three days. But as he, as he says, in no way could he ever get this guy out of his head. I mean, here's a guy who said, if I ever get this bad, I'm going to quit. Well, he got that bad and couldn't quit, and this guy's sober. And that's how most of us take our second step. We come to believe that there's some power that's restoring some of these people to sanity. You know, we see the pictures of 300-pounders, now they're normal size. We hear the, the food stories. 
We go to the workshops. We go to the speaker meetings. We listen to the podcasts and hear these stories. We come to believe. So he's come to believe that there's this power now, but the question is, can he accept this power? And so he keeps on drinking for another three days, but he couldn't get heavy out of his head. And then I just want to play maybe another minute of this where he talks about he finally checks himself in to a hospital to get detoxed. And as you know, in OA, we detox too. We put down the fork. We put down the compulsive foods. We call the food sponsor and start with our food plan. And we're in withdrawal, man. We're in detox and all the feelings are coming up. And then he's, he, he is laying in his hospital debating this God stuff. And, it's, and he's desperate enough to make the commitment and I just wanted to play this last minute or so of the tape. It'll only take a minute, and you'll hear, love that. You'll hear the spiritual experience where he got opened up to a higher power, and the words he uses is, I'm a free man. And that reminds me of the day when I sat down and I, after that AA meeting and realized I hadn't talk, uh, thought about food for two weeks. And I said, holy shit, my obsession has been removed, you know. And he, this is the original experience of being freed from the obsession back in 1934. And so let me get up to old Bill's. We have to go in about, I'd say, maybe 10 minutes. The drink in spite of their will. Tell me what brand of religion is this? This is where he's getting the message. why I wouldn't call it religion exactly that. Common sense, nothing new about it. But for me, this is the first. I feel so my affection has been taken away from me. He said, I feel that I have been released. Strange statement for a man on the water right in the night. Now, this is something that. Well, I said, what's the formula? Tell me. This is the simple program. I thought then he gave me the young one. Today, by the core of our procedure in the head. And he put them in very simple language. All the hidden principles, all the skills. And he, by contact with a certain group of people, I think I've been invited They answered by the certain group of people. I got honest with myself about my own defects. I couldn't sit living alone. I talked out my defectors and other person. I made a fashion. I made a list of the people I'm harmed and visited them. I made what a man's restitution I could. And I learned about a new kind of giving that we knew the mean. The kind of giving that demands no reward. I was told that I ought to try to help other people without a man. Demand for a fresh seat or a material. Such has this message in its essence been 
Ever since. Ever since. As simple as that. Simple as that. And yet, in the hands of another alcoholic. I thought, as you 
friend on that with his wife, but oh no, he can't. That's why we learned. They just came up to pay a visit, Bill. Heard you were up here. Hope I can be a little out. But still, he didn't tell me what that formula was again. That's for suction for a cover for mouth He waited. He made me ask him. What is it, Eddie? How do you do this again? Oh, well, it's simple, Eddie. You get honest with yourself. You talk it out with another incompetent. Make a confession, holding back nothing. You look around at the damage you've done other people and don't make restitution. You try to be helpful to other folks without any demand for reward. And you play to whatever God does, and that's all there is to it today. And he said, if you can really come to the decision to buy that. Even though you've got no faith, I'm not going to help you with money. So he talks about the weather, and you find it, and off you're gone again. Sound very familiar. Having a lot of time since then. Why not the only time that's in life? Why not the only reason you had that deck that no other human being has ever been able to plumb? So there it was. Well, your bed went off. I began to get more and more depressed. I finally sunk into a lot of blackness. I was shocked. Alone, hopeless, crying in the dark. And at last, in desperation, I said, well now, essentially was Bill Wilson's first, second, and third step experience, you see. 
the alcohol drove him to this sense of desperation. And of course, before 1934 or 5, he just died. He had a hopeless condition. He knew he was defeated. He was given a simple message in a non-evangelical tone. Well, not much. I don't have much theology. You just get honest with yourself about your defects. You share it with somebody else. You know, quit living alone. You make a confession. You go out and make restitution. You, you help people with no sense of compensation, and you pray to whatever God there is. And he, he says, at no time could I get my friend and his message out of my head. He went on drinking. Checks himself into a hospital, waving a beer bottle. Dr. Silkworth says, well, you better go upstairs. He says, I got some, Doc. You know, he's waving a beer bottle. You know, he's, thinking, he's talking about Abby's message. And Doc says, of course you do, my boy. You better go up and go to bed. So he's still detoxing. Abby comes up to the hospital. I don't know if you could understand everything, the acoustics and the quality of the, the you know, this was reel-to-reel tapes in 1951. So, and I don't have the software to clean this stuff up digitally. And... Um, he comes up to visit him, and, and Bill says, well, this guy practices what he preaches, you know. He's, I haven't seen him for years, and he comes up town to town's hospital, or comes across town, actually. And um, he says, what's that message again, Abby? You know, Abby didn't preach at him. He, wait, he, he waited to Bill ask him, you know, and he gives him the message for the second time. And Bill says, this is still at the heart of what's at the AA program today. I mean, you can give the heart of the message verbally. You know, you can give the directions to the treasure verbally if you're on a treasure hunt. But now we have a treasure map, of course. And uh, so he's still debating it. His agnostic intellect is still saying, well, this God stuff I can't get, you know. And then he says, finally, well, well, hell, if I had cancer, I wouldn't uh, quibble with a great... uh, surgeon in the sky you know i you know it's like i said if you got cancer you're not and these people are living and they're praying and doing spiritual practice you're going to ask your doctor for their telephone and you want to talk to them so he says okay if there is a god let him reveal himself and he has a, a classic white light experience you know which is not that common i had actually something similar in uh, in my first day meeting and i haven't had a drink in over 33 years so I call myself a real first edition level alcoholic. And um, he said, that, but the feeling he got is I was a free man. He's been relieved of the obsession, and he never took another drink, you see? So this is his first, second, and third step. And then he went through the steps with Ebby. And a lot of people in the book thumper groups are always criticizing. He should have done it better, and you know, he got depressed, and he should, if he'd gone through the book, but again, he would. You know, I, I'm not about to take Bill Wilson's inventory, you know, because even though he was suffering from depression, and everything, he built the service structure, he got a organized, he wrote the traditions, he published the twelve and twelve, and he's done more service and saved more lives than probably anybody in the twentieth century, including Mother Teresa. There's more people alive today he's because of him than anybody else. He may have had defects. Uh, there's, you know, there's some of the unauthorized biographies are accusing him of all sorts of stuff, which is questionable, too. It's, a lot of it's just hearsay. I've read them all. Believe me, I'm open. The fact that Bill Wilson wasn't a saint does not bother me one bit. But you heard his, that's how he took his first three steps. You know, the food beats me down. I come in here. I see people 
talking the talk and they're giving their messages of recovery. They've lost the weight. They're showing their pictures. I've come to believe that this power might work for me too. And I make a decision. I want this thing. It's that simple. And then we, last night we talked a little bit about four, five, six, and seven. I want to mention just a little bit more. And we're going to do 10, 11, 12. I'm wearing my seven-step t-shirt today. I don't know if you can see that. It's got the seven-step prayer. And I mentioned that you know, the inventory is covering resentments, fears. We do a fear inventory even if it's not connected with the resentment. We make a list of people we harmed even though it's not connected with the resentment. We do a sex inventory, the financial inventory. These are some problems, I have problems, excuse me. These are some questions based on the book, which I'm asking as I'm taking people through the sex inventory. Do you have sex problems? Have you reviewed your conduct over the past? Do you realize you must earnestly pray for the right ideal, for guidance in each questionable situation, for sanity and the strength to do the right thing? Because the book says, my, if my sexual behavior continues to harm others, I'm going to eat over it. Do I realize <clears throat> that if you're not sorry and your conduct continues to harm others, I'm quite sure to overeat again? That's page 70, paragraph 1, line 10. Do I realize these are facts out of our experience? Okay. Uh, page 69, Paragraph 2, line 1, am I willing to review my columns and ask God to help me write my sex ideal? Page 69, paragraph 2, line am I willing to subject each new relationship to this test? Is it selfish or not? That's, that's all you got to do when you're thinking about, wow, is this good for me or not? Is it selfish or not? Am I just you know, gratifying my own sex, sexual instincts, maybe possibly harming somebody else? Financial wreckage inventory, page 78, Paragraph 2, most compulsive overeaters owe money. We do not dodge our creditors. Page 78, paragraph 2, line 11. Do I realize I must lose my fear of creditors no matter how far I have to go for I'm liable to overeat if I'm afraid to face them? Financial wreckage, sexual wreckage. Got to clean it up, folks. Page 70, paragraph 2, line 4. If sex is very troublesome, do I realize I must throw myself the harder into helping others? Okay. Um, if you've done this properly, these are called the considerations by the book thumpers. They're, they're basically the questions that the book leads me to. If you've done a thorough inventory, page 70, paragraph 3, line 1, have I been thorough about my personal inventory and have I written down a lot? Page 71, top paragraph, line 2, am I convinced now that God can remove whatever self-will has blocked me off from him? That's an interesting consideration. When you do this inventory... Are you really convinced that God, that God will remove this? You, you always hear people talking about, I'm working on my defects today. That's not really the message of the big book, is it? The big book is that these things will be removed. And that's why I want to talk a little bit more about 6 and 7 today. Um, we don't work on defects. We go through the step process as a, a way of, I'm submitting myself, my. My defects, which the 12 and 12 clarifies, is they're just instincts run amok. You know, I'm afraid that I'll never meet the right girl, so I'm going to lie to this woman to impress her. Or I'm going to not tell her about who I really am. Or I'm going to you know, pretend I got more money than I do or something. Or whatever I think is going to get. See, these are instincts, fear-driven instincts that will get me. I, I'm afraid about money, so I lie on a resume when I'm applying for a job. Or I, you know... I tell them I'm qualified to do stuff I'm not really. These are fear-driven instincts, you know. And when I submit this stuff to a step process, they're going, they, some of them will be removed. Notice it says, God, 
I'm not willing. You have all me good and bad. Some of them, are, it's going to be the higher power that sorts this stuff out. You know. Now I can cooperate and try and do the contrary action. Remember that question I added on those resentment lists where I caused harm. What should I have done instead? I took it right out of the big book from the sex inventory. That's an indication of cooperating with God, you know. Next time I'm going to try and obey the traffic laws, you know. I'm sick of paying amends to the DMV. So, um, then you're ready for step five. Here's some considerations. Is my third step and fourth step work solid so far? That's from the big book, page 75. Is our work solid so far? Page 75. Have I omitted anything? Now, this, I told you, I omitted a term paper amend on my first inventory. It really, it's, it twisted my whole professional working financial career. Okay? You, you want to know what a, a balker looks like? You're looking at a balker on my first inventory. You want to know what a, not a saint looks like? You're looking at not a saint. It took me 14 years to get cash register honest. Okay? Um, but what does the book say? Like I said, if you just read the black words in the blue book, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the very start. I beg of you, don't make the mistakes I made. That's why I'm here to deliver this message. You're only going to leave something off your inventory because you're afraid of what your sponsor's going to think or it'll, you're afraid that it will get out in public or you're afraid of the amend that will have to be made from it. It's fear that will block me and probably you too from, from putting everything down on the inventory. So let's get honest about what's blocking me. It's fear. It's either what my sponsor will think of me or what other people think of me. If the secret is let out, which shouldn't happen, but people are fallible. So you've got to make yourself, uh, this is from the, uh, I think it's from the AA 12 and 12, step five. <laughs> Uh, only by discussing ourselves, holding back nothing, only by will be, being willing to take advice and accept direction, could we set foot on the road to straight thinking, solid honesty, and genuine humility. Page 72. Here's the ultimate consideration for your fifth step. Page 72, paragraph 2, line 9. Do I realize that if I skip this vital step, I may not overcome compulsive overeating? Okay? So, then you got to... Be prepared for a long talk. Uh, realize that some of these memories you're going to talk about may be a nightmare. That's, <laughs> are you ready to pocket your pride? This is from Big Book, page 75. We pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. That's in the book. Page 74. Be careful about who you share it with. I hope you have faith in your sponsor. It's really good if they have book experience, if they've been around a while, if they have a solid reputation in the program. Like I could tell any one of you, you could go to Sherry M and do your work with her. You know, you'd be in solid hands. Or Richard or one of these guys who's been around and solid. But they don't have to have zillions of years. You just, you know, it's all right. I mean, I, I think it's all right to, you know, inquire about people or follow them around. Be careful about who you're going to choose to be your sponsor. You know, they should have what you want. You know, but we've got plenty of really good people around here that you can trust. But the book says, page 74, top paragraph, line 2, Have I thought well before I chose the person with whom to take this step? 
My suggestion is ask your higher power for guidance. My first sponsor was a, was a, was a train wreck. But I really didn't ask God for guidance on who to sponsor me. I just chose him because we had some minor thing really in common. And, you know, and he was the wrong guy. I don't resent him. For, I don't th wake up thinking about him today. But uh, today, if I met him, I'd just call him a dry drunk. You know, he doesn't, he's not, he wasn't book oriented, you know. But there are plenty of good, solid people around. But be careful. And ask your higher power for guidance, you know. Page 74, paragraph 2, line 7. Do you realize it is important that he be able to keep a confidence? My first sponsor was a gossip. And he would talk with one sponsee about the other. And I called him on it. I said, well, Archie, does so-and-so know you're telling me this? I mean, you know, and I don't want you telling my stuff to her. Oh, I won't, I won't, you know. But he did. He couldn't keep a confidence. And he didn't want to give up the defect. You know, but, today, but he's not, he wasn't a book guy. You know, I believe you should go stick close to the book and ask your higher power for guidance and be careful. Um, it's important. Page 74, line, paragraph 2, line 7. Do I realize, this is a consideration for your sponsee, do you realize that it's important that your sponsor be able to keep a confidence that he fully understand and approve of what, of what we are driving at? Now, you guys been with me for a few sessions. Do you know what we're driving at in this process? What are we driving at? Con we're removing the obstacles which block us from God. This is not group therapy. This is a spiritual process. So my first sponsor wasn't a book guy. You know, he had his opinions. I'm 17 years. Bill only had four and a half years when he wrote this stuff. And the, this God's, you know, he wasn't, he was using kind of the program as a mass unsupervised group therapy movement support group. That's not what the book's driving at. This process, the original process, I call myself an originalist, of course, is about removing the obstacles which block you from God. So your sponsor should be very aware that you are on a life and death mission. That's a quote from the book. And he should be honored by your confidence. That's a quote from the book. And he better be a close-mouthed guy who knows what we're driving at here. If not, in my opinion, you got the wrong person. That's my opinion. Take what you want to leave the rest. And once again, if, what, if you're doing what your sponsor suggests and it's working for you, then don't worry about what I say. It's about what's working for you. But I assume people are in this workshop listening to my pitch because you're kind of interested in this process, the original message. And I can verify, I can vouch for this. Boy, it works. What, what is the whole process here? This is page 72, paragraph 1, line 2. We are trying to get a new attitude, a new relationship with our Creator, and discover the obstacles in our path. We have admitted certain defects. We have ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We are about to put our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory. Now these are about to be cast out. We're talking about steps 6 and 7. We're doing an exorcism here. We're going to have our defects cast out by submitting to this spiritual process. It's not that we're working on, it's not like character building, you know, like the Boy Scouts or something, you know. We're about that, we're going through an exorcism. And what's the, and so you should ask yourself, when you go home, if you look at the, just a short paragraph or two for the sixth and seventh step in the book, you're asking yourself, page 73, uh, paragraph 4, line 1. Have I been entirely honest with my sponsor? Page 75, paragraph 2, line 2. Have I withheld anything? 
did I leave my term paper inventory uh, amend off my first inventory? Answer, yes. At some of these we balked. You're looking at a balker. But I beg of you to be fearless and thorough. I beg of you. Don't make them. I'm here to kind of prevent you guys from making some of the mistakes I made. Okay? About picking a sponsor, what, what this is all about, and how to do this thing. Okay? That's really why I'm here. I'm trying to help you guys with no sense of compensation or reward. You know? Okay, so now we're, we're reviewing the, the, our proposals. Page 75 of the big book. We ask if we've admitted anything. We're building an arch which we'll walk a free man. Bill likes, he likes the gardening metaphors, you know, his roots grass, the new soil, and he loves the architectural metaphors in the book. We're, the cornerstone is in place. This is the keystone of a recovery. We're building an arch. I don't know why he studied engineering and finance and law, but he, he loves gardening and architecture when it comes to writing metaphors. But what, we're, what you're doing is you're going home for an hour and, and you take your book down for yourself and review shelf and review what you've written. Now, there, I know big book fanatics who literally will go home with their inventory can put the book on the shelf just so they can take it down from the shelf, you know? I, I'm not kidding you. You know, and when I know a guy, and he's on the internet, he's a, he's a book guy, and I'm not saying he's a bad guy at all, but he makes his sponsees, he won't let them work with yellow legal pads. He says you've got to put it down on black and white, so they've got to get a black ink and search for a white legal pad. I'm not kidding you. That's a, they, they're big book little, they're following this to... I'm not that extreme, but I get what's going on here. You know, six and seven, we're really going to review what we've written, make sure we haven't omitted anything, and ask ourselves these key questions. You see, these character defects are a reflection of self. Here's one of the most overlooked little passages in the book. And it's on... Page 64, second paragraph down, or the middle paragraph, whatever you want to call it. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. This is, in other words, the inventory process. First, we searched out the flaws in our makeup which caused our failure, being convinced that self manifests in various ways with what has defeated us. We considered its common manifestation. So this inventory process is a consideration of the manifestations of self. Then it starts with, end, you know, end of paragraph, period, capital R, new paragraph, resentment's the number one offender. So in other words, we're looking at a manifestation of self. I'm looking on my resentment list. Now, what's, so what's in my list? Resentments, fears, uh, sexual misbehavior, financial wreckage, harm I've done others, you know, character defects that are driving me nuts. Secrets, fears, guilts, resentments, dubious sexual behavior, and financial records, right? These are manifestations of myself. As I said, if I'm angry, I'll collide with the other angry people. If I'm a control freak, I'll collide with control freaks. So actually, I'm considering the manifestations of myself. And the question is, do I still want this shit in my life? If I hold on to anger, I will continue to manifest angry bullies on my resentment list. If I uh, am dishonest in my sexual relationships, 
I'll continue to attract these kind of women that spin my head around. Okay, if I'm dishonest in my financial affairs, I'll continue to manifest stores that I can't go into because I ripped them off or people I can't face because I own money. So I'm considering manifestations of self here. And uh, that's what we're considering when we're reviewing this list carefully in an hour, you know, and reviewing what we've done and reading the book and reviewing our first five steps. So the basic realization is, do I want this shit in my life anymore? This is a manifestation of Roy running on Roy power. This, this inventory of resentments, financial wreckage, sexual wreckage, people I can't face, you know. My, uh, Mike a. H., when I was new, he was a speaker in Miami, and a guy used to say, do you have stomach jumpers? What the hell is that, Mike? Mm -hmm. If somebody walked in this room right now, would your stomach jump? Because you knew you got bad energy with them. You know, usually that's an indication I, I owe an amend or something's wrong. You know what I'm saying? So I'm looking at these stomach jumpers. And it's a manifestation of Roy running on Roy power. Okay, so the, the real question is, am I still, page 76, I'll go by the book question. I mean, my question is, do I want this shit in your life anymore? But that's not in the book, you know. Here's what the book, how the book puts it. Let's, let's use book language. Page 76, paragraph 1, line 6. Am I still clinging to something I will not let go of? That's the restitution I will not make. Remember I reviewed that? Are person and am I still clinging to, or page 76, am I willing to let them go, all of them go? I, if I'm not, I pray for the willingness for God's help. So we're not going to work on defects. We're going to, it's the considerations they, uh, that the book thumpers use on this section of the six and seven step. Do you realize you're not going to work on your character defects? Do you realize that OA is not a self-help organization? Do you realize that I need to pray for God to take me and use me any way he can. That's what the seven step prayer is about, okay? Good and bad. You can have all of me. Do I realize that I'm praying for, what I'm praying for is the willingness, courage, and power to make the amends. That's why the six and seven step are so short in the book. I mean, you can read about, you can read in the OA 12 and 12 and AA 12 and 12 Bill's development. Talk about a lifetime of character building and character building through suffering and and why are we willing to stop killing ourselves with alcohol, but why do we hold on to defects? It's brilliant work in the 12 and 12. And in the OA 12 and 12, is really well written. I love, you know, I don't, I'm not a knocker of the 12 and 12s from either program. But Bill wrote, huh? wrote the AA Pardon me? Bill wrote the AA 12 Oh, yeah. Now, there was a literature committee at the time, so he accepted editorship, and they had to approve it. The group conscience was active both don't get, don't, don't get confused, okay? Bill Wilson was the writer of the primary of drafts of both the big book and the A, 12 and 12. But the group conscience was heard. When Jimmy Burwell said, change it to God as you understand him, he changed it. When, Bill, when he said, stop making, you must do this, you do say, we did this, we did, he changed it. Put in suggested only, you know? They, he listened to the group conscience. The traditions were at work before we had the traditions written. There was a group conscience. A loving God is expressed through the group conscience, editing those first drafts. But he was the primary writer of the first draft, okay? Um, so really the six and seven step are so short because you're just praying for the willingness to make the amends. Because the, 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 will, the amends shows that you're willing to give up the defect. 
It's like I said, it took me 14 years to stop stealing in the program. And here's how I got to stop stealing. I paid back the money. That's what got me to stop stealing. That's why the book says a remorseful muttering of I'm sorry will not do. I'll say I'm sorry to you one day, do the next same thing to him the next day, and then I'll say I'm sorry to him. That's not how we get rid of defects. We make the amends. So all we're, that's why it's so short in the book. You're praying for consideration. That, do you want this shit in your life? Am I willing... If you're willing to let it go, then you pray for the power in the seventh step to go right into eight and nine. You get it? Um, let's see. Here's some more considerations. From one, have I looked at this list of names carefully because it holds the key to the future? Okay, this is a manifestation of Roy. If I don't want this shit in my life again, I'm going to have to give up some of these defects and make some of these amends. Have I realized that it was my character defects and her actions that put this name on my list? Okay? Um, I will, if I'm angry, I'll collide with the other angry nuts in the, in the program, which is what, my, what happened to me, basically, when I, you know, making amends for that helped me let go of the anger. God cast out the defect. I didn't work on it. Have I realized that I'm often very guilty of doing the very same thing to another person that I'm resenting on my list? See, that's that mirror effect. That's if you spot, you know, if you got, if you can spot it, you got it, and all that, you know. Well, it goes back to the New Testament: Thou canst behold the mote in thy neighbor's eye, but thou canst not behold the beam in thine own eye. That's from Jesus' teachings in the New Testament. See, this program came out of old spiritual principles as old as the hill. Nothing new here. Okay, that's what. Um, Joe and Charlie, this is from their program for you book. One of the, you know, I don't know which edition, so uh, it's page 109. But on our resentment list, there was not a single person who did something painful to us before we did something painful to him or her. In each case, we had done something to create a problem for that person first. Most of the time, if somebody's stepping on my toes, it's because I did something to them first. It's that simple. And in, in this program, we have to stop playing God, judging them. Especially if we've done the same thing they've done to us, to somebody else, and we just have to make amends for what, our side of the street. Uh, if you're ready, then you say the seven-step prayer, which is on my shirt. My Creator, I'm not willing you should have all me good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out from here. Grant me strength as I go out from here to do your bidding. What does that mean? What am I, when I say as I go out from here? What am I into next? Eight and nine. Every step, I'm trying to get the power to do the next step. You get it? That's why six and seven are so short in the book. You're really saying, all right, am I willing to let this go? Because I don't want to recreate this kind of an asshole on my resentment list. I don't want to keep colliding with the other angry nuts or the other control freaks. I don't want to have to keep paying back money. Okay? So I'm paying for the strength to go into the amends. And that shows, and that's how these defects will be cast out by this process. The book keeps referring to this as a process. The book thumpers like to talk about going through the work. The work, I think, is used once in the big book, but about seven times they refer to this as this process. Each step flows into the other one. Okay, I'm getting power from each step to move to the next one, and the, and the step I'm doing confirms that I've really done the, the last one, see? So if I've gotten power from six and seven, I'll make my list. 
So I've got a list, and now I've got to be willing to make the amends, right? Now, this is a key quote on page 77 at the top. We're in, we're, we've asked for the power to go into our amends now, right? We're in 8 and 9. At the moment, we are trying to put our lives in order, but this is not an end in ourself. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be a maximum service to God and other people around us. What does that mean? It's one of the key quotes in the book. Yes, I don't want to wake up hating this guy. Yes, I don't want to feel guilty about uh, the, what I did to this woman. Yes, I don't want to have to dodge that department store because I ripped them off. I mean, I, had, you know, I remember making amends to Mill Valley Market because I used to change the meat labels, you know. I'd take a filet mignon label, and I'd take it off, and I'd put on, like, a flank steak label. So I'd buy, you know, buy it, like, 20... Yeah, that's kind of shit a compulsive reader does, right? Food amends. That one I never did. Huh? No, I've done that. I, and I, I remember having to... I, I've done my inventory, and I'm ready to pull into the goddamn mill bar. I had to, like, ask for all the power to turn that wheel into that market. And I go up to that guy, and I say... You know, I used to rip off food here. I used to change meat labels, and I figured I owe you about whatever the hell it was. And I hand him the check, and he looks at me, and he goes, uh, he looks at the check, and he goes, I read about guys like you. I don't know what the hell, what the hell does that mean? I, mean? I don't know what that means, but he was laughing. You know, he took the check. I said, God, thank you, God, I'm a, and I'm out of there. You see? So, but what is this? But remember, at the moment, we're trying to put our lives in order. Yeah, we don't want resentments. We want to stay abstinent. We want to, you know, speak at the meeting, right? But this is not an end in ourself. Our real purpose is to fit ourselves to be a maximum service to God and the people about us. What this means to me, I'll let you make your own interpretation. By the way, don't let me read your big book for you. That's what Joe Hawk used to say. If I'm mentioning something, I'm quoting something, I'm even giving you where it is in the book. Sherman's got it written down in his guide. You go home and look at it yourself. You know, don't let me read your book for you. But the, what, what I've come to conclude from this little statement is that the step process is a purification process to fit me to help you. In other words, I'm being purged of these defects and resentments and fears and guilts and angers so, so I can help people better. <laughs> And when I said that we're, we're considering the manifestations of self, okay, this is why it says good and bad in here. And I'm going to give you an example of defects that the higher power I needed to sort out through this process and some that maybe are not sorted out, right? I used to hit on newcomers. Now, that ain't cool. That is not cool. Uh, you know, gal calls me up to be my food, for me to be the food sponsor, and I say, well, how about if we go have lunch, you know, whatever, you know, I'm trying to get her on a date. And that's not cool, okay? She's calling me up for spiritual reasons, and I'm, I got my own little agenda going. I had to make amends to her, right? So the stuff that winds up on this resentment list are, manif are stuff that I got to make go through this process to purify it, get rid of. But have I been turned into a saint? Oh, I'm lazy. I'm still, oh God, I'm so lazy. I'm sloppy. You know? My brother was brought up in the same house. He's neat as a pen. He's organized. I'm the kind of guy that'll lay there in a pile of underwear and say, oh, if God wanted that underwear put away, he'd do it for me. You know, I mean, 
We came in the same house. He's neat as a pin. He's organized. Same parents, you know. We're only a year and a half apart. That's just who I am, you know. I've got these defects. I'm a bad driver. I'm lazy. I'm, I kind of got a vulgar sense of humor. I use profanity. I got a lot of defects, okay. But certain things that create these problems on my resentment list have got to go. Like I can't look that girl in the eye because I hit on her, you know, when she asked me to sponsor her. Or I can't go to that meeting anymore because I collided with that control freak because I'm a control freak. You know what I'm saying? Or I can't uh, go in there because I owe money or this and that. If I go through this process, what goes, the higher power will sort it out, you know, about which, which defects you need to get rid of. Because this is a purification process. Usually, in my experience, the defects that are removed are the defects that prevent me from helping newcomers. That's got to go. Okay, being a control freak, hitting on women, blah, 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 not being, uh, you know, not being able to keep a confidence. I am able to keep a confidence. I'm not really a gossip. But stuff that prevents me to being, being useful to newcomers has got to go. Now, you take, I like to talk, right? I, I like to speak. I, so I, you, Ira, my buddy Ira up in, uh, he's from Weiss on the Valley, but he goes to Serenity Sunday. He says, Roy, your problem is you fell in love with your own voice years ago. And I'm pissed off at OA because they never give me enough time to tell my story, right? <laughs> Serenity Sunday, 20 minutes. So now you can call that ego, pride, vanity, trying to, you know, recovery ego, which is trying to be a good. So I'm so pissed off at Serenity Sunday, I say to myself, why curse the darkness when you can light a candle? That's an expression. Don't, don't curse the darkness, light a candle, you know? Don't be part of the problem, be part of the solution. So I start the, the meeting, light a candle meeting. John Kay gets the idea of, you know, getting our recordings onto the website, and now we've got the podcast, which help people all over the world. So the point is, you can say Roy has a defect. He likes to hear his own voice. He's got, you know, he's too, got a big mouth or whatever you could call it, you know. The higher power will take good and bad, and he'll use it. The stuff that's got to go is the stuff that prevents me from being a maximum service to the, to the people. The stuff that can stay is stuff that makes me human or just, or maybe God can use the defect. You know, God will say, oh, we need a, a meeting that, we need some tapes on the internet. Well, this clown likes to talk, so I'll let him run with his ego, you know. And next thing you know, we got the light a candle meeting. Light a candle has nothing to do with those birthday candles they give at the OA meetings. It has to do with that, that slogan, why curse the darkness when you light a candle? My attitude was, OA doesn't know how to do speaker meetings. I'm going to show them how to do it. And so I start the goddamn meeting out of a resentment, right? Out of ego. You can call it what you want. My creator, I'm now willing to have all of me, good and bad. You say, please remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness. You know, the point is, if you're doing an honest inventory and you got defects, don't worry about them. Don't work on them. Go through this process. Let God sort it out. He'll use what he needs to use. He'll get rid of what's, what he needs to get rid of. You got to trust the process. Have faith. Trust in God. Clean house. Help others. That's the summation of the program in what? Six words, seven words? Trust in God, clean house, help others.
That's what submission to this process means. So you got your list, your eight-step list. How are you going to be willing to make the amends? I mean, it says we made a list of all persons we had harmed. It comes right out of the inventory, right? Manifestations of self. I stepped on their toes. I hate him. I hate him. It's because I did this to him. My sponsor's acquainting me with my defects. The only way I know I'm willing to give up the defect is when I start making the amends. It's that simple. If I, otherwise, I can sit on a list for 20 years. I made a list, but if I don't make the amend from that list, obviously I'm not willing to make the defect. This is a perfect example of every step confirms the previous step. I could say I've made a list and I'm willing. Well, you say you're willing. Why don't you call the guy? Well, if you, if you, if you got the, his name on the list and you know what it is you did, and you're clear, clear about the harm and clear about the amend and your sponsor's behind you, why aren't you dialing the phone, dude? It's nine that confirms eight, right? The eight says we made a list of all people in harm became willing. You're not willing unless you're dialing the goddamn phone. It's that simple. It's the same way as the guy does three, he says the prayer, he's, you know, and, and I give him the inventory format. If he don't show up with his fourth step done, he's not done three. It's that simple. I listen to it in five, and if I feel he's left something out, he hasn't done four. Right? If I feel he's really done his everything, he's done his fifth step, then it's time to, dude, you're going to go home and consider the list carefully. It holds the key to the future. Meditate for an hour. Take the book down from the shelf. You know? Say the prayer, and let's start making your men's list. He's not willing to start his amends list. He hasn't done six and seven. He's not ready to give up those defects unless he starts writing those names, right? And now he's got the list. Now he's into his amends. He's willing to give up the defects. He's willing to make the amends. Every step gives you power for the next step. Every step confirms the previous step. It's a process. It flows. You dig? It's a flow. In my experience, this is my take on this, I guarantee you there's plenty of book thumpers that think I'm weird. Because I don't quite sound right to them. Because I, I do weird things like I actually read the 12 and 12 too, you know. And I think it's brilliant. Let me just say something about the 12 and 12. Let me borrow an AA 12 and 12. They, it, same thing for the OA 12 and 12. They're both brilliant, well written. Do I have an AA 12 and 12? Yeah, okay. Actually, I think I have little ones over there. You know, people, I use the big book to work steps. My favorite speaker, Sandy Beach, who's, who's the one that said, you know, don't confuse the treasure with a treasure map, you know. Here's how he describes the AA 12 and 12. He says, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is the basic how-to-do-it step guide. And the 12 and 12 is a brilliant series of essays on the psychology of the, of, in our case, the food, the psychology of the compulsive reader, the alcoholic, and the spiritual dynamics of the step process. And I don't think I can put it any better than he, so I'll just quote him. This book was not written to replace the big book. Okay, page 17 of 
the 12 and 12. I'm not reading from the big page 17. The book Alcoholics Anonymous became the basic text of the fellowship and still is written in 1952. It still is the basic text. Okay, now so then why the 12 and 12? This present volume proposes to broaden and deepen the understanding of the 12 steps as first written in the earlier work. So if you don't have any experience with the earlier work, you got nothing to broaden and deepen. Any mathematics kid will tell you with, you know, seventh grade algebra, zero times 10 is zero, zero times 100 is zero, zero times 1,000 is zero. If you got no experience with this, like my first sponsor, for instance, in AA, you got nothing to broaden and deepen. This was not meant to replace the big book. It's a brilliant series of essays like, you know, why do I have these self-centered instincts on my resentment list or this, this wreckage that I've created? And Bill explains it here because it's your instincts run amok. You know, there's nothing wrong with your natural instincts for money, property, and prestige, for a sex life to be something in the eyes of your fellows. It's when these instincts are driving you that you're going to create this self-centered wreckage, see? See, this helps, un helps me understand what's going on in the psychology of the addict, in our case, the food addict, and the alcoholic, he's an alcohol addict, but, you know, the heroin addicts, the junkie, you know. This is a brilliant series of essays on the step process and the psychology of the addict, in our case, the food addict, you see? But it's not meant to replace the big book. You, this is the basic way to do the steps in the book. And, but I don't mind if I tell my sponsee, you know, you're on your second step now, you're coming to believe. I tell them, go read chapter two. And either, either one, they're both well written. The OA, 12 and 12, the AA, 12 and 12. And in this, in chapter two, it just says, relax, take it easy, quit the debating society. Use the program as your higher power if that's, if that's what you had to start. Okay? It's right in here. The OA 12 and 12 is brilliantly written. Very good. They're not meant to replace the big book. But I'm not a fanatic, you know. Now, if it's, if it's only going to confuse your sponsee, okay. There's, a, there's something to be said for taking to the book. Keep it simple, you know. If this kind of stuff will just confuse them, then okay. But that's a judgment call. But I don't think this really confuses people. You know, its purpose is to broaden and deepen your understanding. But if you got no experience with the basic process, you got nothing to broaden and deepen. Zero times a hundred thousand is still zero. You get it? So that's a point I make. All right, so we're making uh, amends for financial amends, criminal offenses. You know, it says you got you got to be willing to make amends regardless of personal consequences. You got to pay back the creditors. Okay, your. Uh, Considerations are, this is all through the amends. Can I go to them in a helpful and forgiving spirit? Page 77, paragraph 1, line 12. And, and that, which really means, have I really am willing to let go of the behavior? Page 77, paragraph 2, line 5. Do I realize I'm going to sweep off only my side of the street? Like I say, my current sponsor just has me write my fourth column where my partner on the back of the legal paper so I don't even look at that when I'm ready to make my amends list I'm just looking at my part I totally ignore the first three columns that's just something he does which I think is really good uh, page 78 line 2 do I realize you never try to tell them what they should do that I shouldn't discuss their part their faults at all 
Page 78, line 1. This is a good judge of whether you're really willing to make the amend. Can my manner be calm, frank, and open? If you're still really got a squirrel up your butt when you're facing that person, maybe you're not quite ready to make, you need a little more prayer there, a little more consideration and meditation. Um, page 79, paragraph 1, line 3. Do I remind myself that I must ask, which means pray, that I be given strength and direction to do the right thing no matter what the personal consequences may be? That may mean, you know, you have to look at things. You know, if you got to clean, if you're afraid to go to the state of New Jersey because you got an outstanding warrant, you may want to talk to a lawyer about cleaning that up, because you can't afford to be running around afraid to go in certain parts of the world. That's not how we stay abstinent in Overeaters Anonymous. We got to lose our fears. Curiosity yeah, sure. Because I I knew of a family where um, in, the fellow was in AA and he had done some crime. Right. And then he went and he turned himself in, and the family was really, his children and wife were left totally... Well, the book's, well, good question. The book's very clear that you don't do things like that without consulting your family. You know, it's really about, you can't, you can't harm others when you do your amends. If you've got a family that's financially dependent upon you, and all of a sudden you're going to have to do six months for an old assault charge or something and screw up your entire family when your kid's ready to enroll in school and needs the money or whatever. You can't be doing stuff like that. The book's clear. It's in the book. Actually, it's, there's a story in there about it, or at least a, a paragraph or two about that very situation. Now, my friend Dan S. often says, you're really there to make amends to heal the situation and clean it up. Is it really going to heal the situation or clean it up if you just turn yourself in and do some time? Does that really help the victim? Maybe there's a, maybe you can donate money. Maybe you can, there's another way. I'm not. I've never had to stand in the shoes of someone who's got to do some serious time over an old crime. So I'm not going to give tell them specifically what to do. I might refer them to somebody else who's done it. See, I won't do something unless I walked in those shoes. But the but the book. It's really about will it take you out? Will you eat over this thing? Okay, is the guilt eating you up to a certain extent that it will not prevent you from staying abstinent? Okay, if so, the book's clear. You may have to do something regardless of personal consequences. But you certainly don't ever do anything that can jeopardize or harm other people. The perfect example, that's a good example, and it's mentioned in the book. The other example is you cheated on your husband or a wife or whatever, and you go... Just approach them and say, well, you know, I want you to know that that time you thought I was with my brother, I was actually with some woman, you know. You know, you're not, you're harming that, the, your wife or your husband or whoever you're telling this stuff to. You know, the book's clear on that. You know, it says you got to use your judgment. It, it says... So in that case, wouldn't, um, instead of hurting your spouse, a living amends of a living amends would be more appropriate, be more appropriate according to the book. Yeah, you just stop cheating on your old lady. Yes. But if you don't come clean with them, I, I think you've betrayed them and you're keeping it a secret. Here's the ask your basket. Yeah. Well, yeah. But, I, it's a great question. Yeah, I understand. 
But the, the overriding question above all else when doing an amends is, is it going to harm others? You're there to clean up your side of the street and fit yourself to be a maximum service. If you're going to ruin the life of another person with a confession, that's not, it's like, it's, and this is the perfect example, and I've done this, so I, you know, it's an amends that sometimes you make an amends in the wrong way and you wind up owning amends for the amends. If you've been gossiping about someone, going up to them and says, you know, I just, I owe you an amends. I, I've been telling everybody in the program what an asshole you are. And, you know, did you, did you help them? Did you heal your, them? Now they're, you know, oh, thanks for telling me. That doesn't make me feel good. You know? That's not the way to do it. The way to make an amends for gossiping is you go to the people to whom you gossiped. And you say, you know, I was character assassinating him. I was just doing that out of jealousy. I was really out of line. I, I want to apologize for bringing you into my bullshit. That's how you make an amends for that. You don't go up to the person you talked about. You're just going to make them feel bad. The key to amends is you don't harm other people. You're trying to clean up your spiritual life, not harm other people. If you've cheated on somebody, it's up to you. I mean, I'm not going to tell you what to do. We'll get to it in the Ask It Basket. That's a really good question, but the book is clear. You don't, it, 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 it says good generalship often requires a flank attack. It's in, I mean, I'll, let me just refer you to the part of the book rather than for me trying to give guru-like advice. This is something that, let's see here. Okay. Here it's talking about amends. These, these reparations take innumerable forms. Page 77, 79, excuse me. There are some general principles which we find guiding. General principles now. Reminding ourselves that we decide to go to any lengths to find a spiritual experience, we ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. So the first thing you do is pray on it and consult. The second thing you do is consult with your sponsor on it and make sure you've done the proper inventory on it. We may lose our position or reputation or face jail, but we are willing. We have to be. We must not shrink in anything. Usually, however, other people are involved. Therefore, we are not to be hasty and the foolish martyr who would needlessly sacrifice others to save himself from the compulsive overeating pit. You're, you're talking about, oh, I can't feel clean. So, well, you want to make somebody else feel bad to, to, to save yourself. Huh? That's not the spirit of our amends. We, a, man, a man, now this is right to your question. A man we know had remarried because of resentment and drinking. He had not paid alimony to his first wife. She was furious. She went to court and got an order for his arrest. He had commenced our way of life. It secured a position. Well, let me see. Where's that thing about the, um, the generalship? Um, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, page 81. Go to page 81. Let's talk about amends to uh, spouses. Um, he's talking about a man who's you know involved with other women. Okay, now remember it was mostly men who were involved in the writing of the book. So you have to forget about the chauvinist language. I mean, for now it's there's just as many women, of course, and more women in OA actually, right? A woman so involved often feels very remorseful at times, especially if she is married to a loyal and courageous husband who has literally gone through hell for her. 
whatever the situation, we usually have to do something about it. So, you, like you say, you don't feel clean, right? If we are sure our husband does not know, should we tell him? Not always, we think. Not always, which means sometimes yes. Okay? Not always. I'm just telling you what's in the book. I'm letting, showing you where it is, and you can make your own. If he knows in a general way that we have been wild, should we tell him in detail? Undoubtedly, we should admit our fault. He may insist on knowing all the particulars. He will want to know who the man is and where he is. We ought to feel we ought to feel we ought to say to him that we have no right to involve another person. So you can admit in a general way, according to this, that you've been unfaithful, right? But you have to be careful. And and so it actually says you don't you just don't want to harm others. You know. Well, I was the one betrayed. You oh, you were the one betrayed. I personally yeah. would want to know that if I'm going to have a relationship that's based on sacred vows yeah and it's been betrayed yeah it needs to be cleaned up I mean, it well all right here's the thing it says uh, undoubtedly we should admit our fault so if you've been are you talking about you were the one betrayed yeah. so you got the resentment against somebody for betraying you right it's a little resentment, okay. Believe me, I've been there, okay? So you're not alone, you got to know that. So now you want it cleaned up. So what are you doing? Expecting whoever this is, he or she, to make an amends to you? Is that what you, is that what you expect? You've been betrayed, right? To get the relationship back on clean, solid, open footing, Yeah. it's got to be cleaned out. It's like cleaning house. But that's their amend. Just stuff under the carpet. So, so what is it you want from the person that owes you the amend, according Honesty. to you? So what do you want them to do? Name the other person involved. Well, that's involving another person. That, first of all, you're, we're talking about your inventory. You're telling me that somebody owes you an amend. That's what you're telling me. What, but you've got the resentment. Do you have a part in this? That I don't know. I'm not going to sponsor from the podium. This would require, if you were my sponsee, I would need the name, what happened, you know, first column, second column, what it affected in you, what fears are involved. Then I want you to turn it over on the other side. I want you to answer the question. Did I arouse jealousy, suspicion, bitterness? What else should I have done? I, want, I would want complete inventory on it. I would want for you to be sure what your part in it is. Now, maybe the amends is just to yourself because you really don't feel comfortable in a relationship with this person anymore. And so you're trying to heal yourself. You feel they owe you an amend and your partner is that you expect somebody to make this amend. And I'll tell you something. The worst resentment I ever got was when I expected somebody to make an apology and they didn't do it. It freaked me out. It wasn't what they did to me. It was the fact that they didn't apologize for it. And I copped the resentment. Talk about expectations of trying to be the actor running the show. You're not going to be able to... But part of the amends to you might be honestly saying to your partner, I can't continue in a relationship until this is cleared up. That may be the way to make amends to yourself. See, what you're telling me is you got a resentment against somebody who owes you an amend. Well, you know, it's all been all that work All right. Long time ago, but I cannot, I just don't see 
So maybe maybe he manages to get out of the relationship. It's time the marriage is over. I look. I'm not going to spot. This is a little too deep for me to be. I'm giving a review. Of, yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to bog me down, and and Richard wants me to keep moving. And I. What time's the session over, Richard? Um, eleven. Then we're going to take a yeah. 11. All right, eleven. Okay, so I wanted to get into uh, ten, eleven, and twelve. And um, but these men, these amends take innumerable forms. Criminal offenses. You know, we just heard about infidelity, right? We just heard about sexual amends. Um, as far as financial amends, page 78, paragraph 2, line 8, did I arrange the best deal to let these people know I'm sorry? That's an interesting question. The best deal means you don't have to be destitute and deprive yourself. It means you can go to say, look, I know I owe you $20,000. I cannot pay it now to keep myself in my apartment and not starving and still be have enough gas to go to work. I can pay $100 a month. That's not enough. It's the... It's the best I can do. And you send him the check anyway. Okay? I'm not going to take this check. Send it anyway. I'll tell you one thing that I've learned about financial amends. I mean, if you're really strapped, obviously they're painful. But if you lead with the money, lead with the check, they are almost always well received. <laughs> Have some money in your hand. Even if you know it's a pittance, you lead with a check. And even they tell you that, ah, I don't want this goddamn hundred dollars, you owe me 20 grand. I'll send you more as soon as I can. And what my friends have told me, see, I've never been that destitute where I couldn't kind of make, well, I might have an amends. That, well, actually, I'm okay. I have never been that destitute where I couldn't make the, all the amends in a lump payment. But I have friends who had a lot of money that they couldn't pay off all at once. And you know what their experience was? They told me. As soon as I started paying off the money, all of a sudden more work came in. It's like, you know, God will disclose himself. You know, you take one step towards the universe and the universe takes two, three steps towards you. You start paying off the money, even if you know this is a pittance, and all of a sudden your earnings start increasing. You know, it's just you got to trust in God. Trust in God, clean house, and help others. The criminal offenses are probably the, no, the, the most scary. Page 79, paragraph 1, line 7. Am I willing to lose my position or, or reputation or face jail? That's a, that's a question only the sponsee can answer. I will not order somebody to turn himself in. I'll try and direct them to somebody who's gone through it personally. Closest I ever came was an amend. And I was in recovery. I... It was a government licensing thing in another state that I actually lied on the form. It was actually my crazy compulsive reading brother. He says, I, you don't have to stay here and do this training because I just wanted to get the hell away from him. He was so crazy. I got a friend who works in that. He Give him 150 bucks, he'll put through the form for you. So it really wasn't about ripping off people or screwing the government. It was, it was really more about getting the hell away from my brother. So he introduced me to this guy and said, here's 150 bucks. He said, you'll take care of it. Well, the guy got in trouble for putting through all these forms without the proper procedures. He was caught by the administrator. And then I hear he's in trouble, and I'm thinking, holy shit, I'm one of those people that, that he ran through. 
I'm going to, I was really scared that I'm going to have to do time by participating in this fraud. What happened was they never prosecuted any of the people. They just prosecuted him. He was a crooked administrator. But I went back to that state and went through the training at my own expense just so I did it. I didn't turn myself in. But because I really didn't feel the government was harmed, you know, that their state was doing just fine without me, you know. <laughs> but uh, I felt I needed to clean it up. And if I sign my say that I went through some training, I need to have gone through the training. So I went back and redid the training at my own expense. Okay, but that really scared me. But that's the closest I've ever had. So, you know, somebody talked about a family. It says, page 80, paragraph 1, line 1. This is that thing about you talking about going to jail. Are other people involved that might needlessly be sacrificed? Have I secured their consent, permission, and consulted with others, like a lawyer, for instance, and asked God's help and guidance? Okay? Page 80, paragraph 4, line 4. This is great. Do I believe I have to place the outcome of these amends in God's hands, or I will soon start eating again? These amends have to be placed in God's hands. You know, you ask your sponsor for direction and guidance. You do the inventory work to make sure you know what your part of the street is. But ultimately, you need God's guidance. I don't know the answer to a specific question of, you know, how, you know, especially in these relationship situations. But the question on page 78, will you eat over this? Have you been able to stop eating over this? Will I eat over this again if I don't make amends? That's what page 78 is all about, you know. Okay, I mentioned that amends of the term paper that I left out uh, off my first inventory. I didn't make amends for it. Page, on page 127, the family afterward, for us, material well-being always followed spiritual progress and never proceeded. In other words, do if you're worried about jobs and all that stuff, Get through the inventories and make the amends. God will take care of you. Trust in God, clean house, and help others. Okay? Then you've gone through your ninth step. If you've really done it, you should start experiencing these promises. And I will tell you right now, I have experienced these promises. And that's why I can lead these retreats and tell my story and talk about eating giant log-like baguettes in French and all this stuff. And now I don't have to do this anymore. And these are some of the, also some of the great promises of the book. My favorite promises of the book are basically the step two promises and these step uh, ten promises. Well, I'll go through the step nine promises, okay? If we're painstaking about this phase of our development. Now, this phase of our development means the amends, you know? The book thumpers, one thing I like about them is they insist that you finish all of your amends on your list. That's a big thing. Thoroughness. We beg of you to be fearless and thorough. We beg of you to be fearless and thorough. Okay, so if we're... And it's painstaking. It's, do you think it's pleasant to run into a market and give some guy money and admit you stole? I'm such a... I'm not even a good thief. I'm a petty thief, you know? I'm a nickel-dime thief, you know? It's not like I'm John Gotti or somebody, you know? I'm a nickel dimer, but it's it takes it's a painstaking. Going through this shit's not fun. It's painstaking, but if we go through it, that's the amends. This phase will be amazed for halfway through. 
We're going to do a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past. I wish to shut the door on it. That's why we tell our stories. We don't shut the door on it. The only thing I regret is my first sponsor. That's one promise I can honestly admit to this group I haven't totally got, because I regret a lot of the mistakes I made in the early program. And part of it is I wasn't hearing this powerful message of a book-based program in Miami when I came in in 78, especially in OA, but not even in AA then, I have to say. You know, but now you guys are exposed to it. The real program, the original program. Okay? No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see our experience can benefit others. If you've done jail time or gone up to 700 pounds like Harlan or, you know, had gastric bypasses and eaten through them or I've heard all, you know, I've, this one woman was sharing about how she had her mouth, uh, you know, braced, closed, and she was overeating through a straw and all this shit, you know. That's a powerful story when you, and now she's in recovery and she's relieved of the obsession. See, no matter how far down the scale you've gone, your story is one of the, is the best thing you got. The lower bottom, the more your chances of being a circuit speaker later on if you recover, you know. <laughs> The more hopeless, the better. Didn't I already tell you about that line? The more hopeless, the better. We need you. you know, low bottom types here, right? So no matter how far down the scale we can benefit others, that feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. I have to pray every morning, that morning prayer, God, div divorce my thing from self-pity. The first thing on the list, oh, where's mine? You know? Uh, we will lose interest in selfish things, gain interest in our fellows. I've gotten that promise. I really don't give a shit anymore. I never got back to my Ph.D. program. I worked for the school district. You know, I got enough money. They got good health insurance. I don't care. I'm not, I just, I've lost interest. I'm, I'm not ambitious. I'm not knocking anybody. If you've got a goal, you want to go to law school, you want to write a screenplay, you want to marry the right guy, you want to start a business, you want to be a movie star, go, go for it. But uh, I don't care. It's just not a bother to me anymore. I'm taking care of. I lose interest in, uh, in this stuff, and it, we will lose interest in selfish things and gain interest in our fellows, you know. I love being in recovery and, 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 and helping people in recovery. Uh, Self-seeking will slip away. It has. It really has. My whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. It has. Fear of people of economic insecurity will leave us. I got less money now than when I was two years on the program, but I got less fear. How do you explain that? Trust in God, clean house, help others. We intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. I have had that happen to me. Yes, I have. We suddenly realize that God is doing for us which we could not do for ourselves. So he'll do something that you can't do for yourself, but he won't do something that you can do for yourself. If you need a job, yeah, you still might have to put on a resume or go for the interview, but you've got to turn the results over to higher power. He's going to do for you what you can't do for yourself. He will steer, I will paddle. Okay? That's what this line means. But I couldn't stop eating on my own power. And often I can't stop hating somebody on that resentment list or fearing somebody on my own power. I have to submit that kind of a problem, the obsessive, addictive, compulsive problem, whether it's overeating or resentment or sexual obsession, that kind of stuff. I have to submit that to this process here and let the higher power cast it out. Okay, there are certain things God, only God can do for me certain things is my footwork. Your footwork, get to the meetings. Your footwork, go up to somebody and ask them to sponsor you. Your footwork, pick a food plan. 
your footwork, call in your food or email every day. That's what you can do. And then you've got to turn that obsession over to the higher power. Okay? So this brings us to step 10. Now, step 10, and this promise I got also, by now we have entered the world of the Spirit. And I, I can tell you the day it happened that I realized, when I went through the steps again, I was about 11, 12 years on the program, maybe. can't remember. I was in Marin County. I spent about 11 years, in, 10 years in Corte Madera up there. First a year in San Francisco, then 10 years in Corte Madera. Active in OA, active in AA. I'd gone through the steps again, forgiven that. My worst resentment was this asshole where I was waiting for him to apologize to me. Now, I definitely set the whole thing up. That was my part. So I made the amends, got rid of the resentment. And people know, could see I was a different person. They were, pay, they were making little remarks like, gee, isn't it easier to be around Roy now? You know, <laughs> Obviously, I wasn't a you know, charismatic, attractive I wasn't a vision for you, right? <laughs> so I went through the steps again, got rid of that resentment. And I'm sitting there in Mill Valley. Actually, it was in the, de the depot there, which is a coffee shop near the chess park. I used to play chess in the park there. They got, you know. And I'm having a coffee by the window, and I'm about to go out and play chess. They had these stone chess tables that were donated by Bill Graham, the rock promoter, who got killed in a helicopter accident a few years later. He's the guy who had the Fillmore East and the Fillmore West. You know, he lived up there near Mill Valley. He donated these chess parks because he was a New Yorker and he remembered Washington Square had these chess tables. Now, I used to play chess there all the time, and uh, I'm waiting to go out, and a yellow jacket, a little wasp, is buzzing around the window where I'm drinking the coffee. So I take a napkin. He scared me, you know. He wasn't doing anything. He wasn't trying to hurt me. He was just buzzing and banging his head against the window. He's trying to get out, really. I just took the napkin and I squished him. Ooh, yeah. Bambi killer. Yeah. So I killed the yellow jacket. And I thought about it and I said, well, he really wasn't doing anything to me, but he was, I was scared. You know, I was stringing my coffee. I could have moved to another table. I could have gone outside. So I squished him. I went out and played chess. About a week or two later, um, I'm playing chess out in the chess tables in Mill Valley. And zang, bang, I get stung in the back of my neck. And sure enough, it's a goddamn yellow jacket. You know, and I'm thinking about this. So, you know, I put cold water on it. So I, I, I'm driving home, you know, with this rag on my neck or whatever. And I call up my sponsor when I get home. I said, Martin, you're not going to... I got a question for you. I said, I told him what happened, you know. He says, do you think there's some sort of, like, god of the yellow jackets that's like takes care of the yellow jackets and he wanted to get even for this one I squished, you know, and he was, and Mark listened to this, you know, he's laughing, he goes, you know, Roy, I don't, I don't know if there's a God of the yellow jackets or this or that. I just know that you're starting to see the world in spiritual terms and that actions you take may have consequences that come back to you. You see, as ye sow, so shall ye reap. Anger begets anger. You can behold 
the beam in thy neighbor's eye, but thou canst not behold the mode in the, you know, the mode in thy neighbor's eye, and you canst not behold the beam in thine own eye. He says, I don't know if there's a god of the yellow jackets that got revenge. That's kind of like a punishing god. But he says, I just, I just know that you are starting to realize that your actions are going to have consequences. And then, I understood this line, page 84, we have entered the world of the spirit. You understand? I've had a spiritual awakening. Oh yeah, I haven't had a you know, binge in 33 years, and I haven't had a drink in over 33 years. But what's really important is I've entered the world of the spirit, you see, by doing this process, you see. But that's just the beginning. They call the 10th, you've heard the 10th, 11th, and 12th are maintenance steps. What does the book say? Once again, the black words in the blue book, page 84, our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. 10, 11, and 12 are growth steps. They're not maintenance steps. If you've had a spiritual awakening, if you've removed the obstacles which blocked you from a higher power, you don't just sit there on your ass. What's that called in the book? Who knows the phrase? Resting on your laurels. Resting on your laurels. You're supposed to keep growing. And how do we grow spiritually? There's a little throwaway line in the book. It's actually back, way back. This is a case of a throwback. Look back on page 35. Jim's story, the guy who put scotch in milk. See, the, the, uh, the, the AA people pitched him, told him about the disease, and he said, he had made a beginning. His family was reassembled. He began to work as a salesman for the business he had lost through drinking. All went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. You see? You can't fail to enlarge your spiritual life you, and it says that you have to enlarge your spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice with others. Let me find out where that is in the book. Does anybody know where that is in the book? That's a famous line that I want to point out to you. That's how you expand your spirit. If you've gone through, remember, the real purpose of this, yes, you want to feel better, you don't want to have resentments, you don't want to compulsively overeat, but the real purpose of this work is to fit yourself to be a maximum use to other people. That's the purpose of this work, see? Not just so you don't have to eat again. It's great that you don't have to eat again. I think that's wonderful. But the real purpose, okay, is so that you can be of help to others. Let's see. Self-sacrifice. Let me see where I can find it. If I, it might be. i got to try and find this rascal. There it is, page 15. Let's look back on page 15. This is one of these throwback cases where something earlier in the book comes back to mean something. Page, four, all right, look at bottom of 14, 15, right? It's in Bill's story right in the beginning. Faith without works was dead, he said. This is Ebby's part of Ebby's pitch. My friend had emphasized the absolute necessity of demonstrating these principles in all my affairs. Particularly was it imperative to work with others as he had worked with me. Faith without works is dead, he said, and how appallingly true for the compulsive overeater. 
For if a, a compulsive overeater failed to perfect and enlarge his spiritual life through work and self-sacrifice with others, he could not survive the certain trials and low spots ahead. Which tells you it ain't always going to be easy. There may be betrayals in relationships, financial setbacks, illness, loved ones dying, this happens, that happens, you have a car crash, blah, 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 your sponsor betrays you, whatever the hell it is. It's coming. My personal contribution to AA slogans, it wasn't in the little video I showed, was, and they should put it in the book, they won't, but I guess they won't, but my personal contribution is miracles happen, shit happens. You know, and it's promising you that there's going to be certain trials and rough spots ahead. And you got to stay absent through work and self-sacrifice with others. So the real purpose of this whole night's step process, and you've entered the world in the spirit in 10, is so that you can help others. You get it? So, it's not an overnight matter, on page 84, it should continue for a lifetime. I'm going to have to be doing this the rest of my life. But that's okay. I'm a compulsive reader. It's God's will for me. I can't do this alone. I have to be active. If I could just get spiritual and go off on a mountain or something, I'd probably do it. I don't know. Uh, all right, here's what we're doing in the 10th step. Continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. And I already, we talked about what, page 125 was it? The enemies of the... Uh, the enemies of the compulsive overeater. What page was that on? Somebody picked that out for me the other day. Envy, frustration, jealousy, resentment, and fear, was it? I forget what page we got that on. But that's basically what we're looking for in the 10th step. Okay? <laughs> the enemies are, you know, envy, jealousy, frustration, resentment, fear, self-pity is another one. We're looking for this. When they crop up, we at once ask God to remove them. We ask God at once to remove them. In other words, I see like, I'm pissed off at this guy. He's interrupting my book study. How dare he? Okay, all right, God. This is a sick person. Save me from anger. Show me how I can help him. That's the anger prayer. That's back in the, in the inventory part, right? I, at, at once, I'm supposed to go to the God. Do I always do it? Answer, no. At some of these, we balk. I'm not a saint, right? I had an incident with this woman at a meeting, and I told my Al-Anon sponsor the next day, said, you know, I got a little emotional hangover. I don't know if I handled this right. I didn't retaliate, but maybe I should have said something better. But it's a tricky situation. But it says, we discussed them with someone immediately, like my Al-Anon sponsor. The next day, I made the call and make amends quickly if we harmed anyone. Now, sometimes the person we're discussing, and this was what Dan Sherman pointed out to me, which I, this is why I go to that anal book study every Thursday and sit with guys like Dan and Mike M and other guys. He says, sometimes the person I'm discussing it with immediately is the person I've harmed. And I say, you know, I was really out of line. I, you know, especially when you're dealing with, like, clerks at, car rentals, you know, that kind of stuff, where you lose your temper because they're not taking care of you in the supermarket. That's the kind of stuff where you don't have to call your sponsor. You discuss it with the person you harmed immediately and just say, you know, I, you know, I really was a little out of line there. I'm sorry if I was rude or, you know, I know you got a tough job and you have to deal with the public. They're usually glad to hear it because not everybody will make the amend. You know, they'll, they'll bully some clerk who's, just, who's in customer service. Depends on the situation. In this case, it was somebody at a meeting. 
I didn't like the way I handled it. I called my Al-Anon sponsor the next day. He just said, well, we're going to do a little inventory work on this and see this. Um, so we're on the watch here. If we're in the world of the spirit now, we know what it's like to you know, be serene, right? We, we, what is that? The nine steps says we've... Uh, well, it says... We, as I say, we comprehend... We will comprehend the word serenity. We know peace, right? We've, we've gotten that through the ninth step. We've gotten away, rid of the guilt and the resentment and the fear and the secrets. We, we've had it exorcised. They were cast out by the process, by the higher power, by God, who I choose to call God as I don't understand him. But he's, somebody's been out there for me for all these years. So now I know serenity and peace. So when I feel something's wrong, I can spot it. I know when I'm off. Because I'm stepped into the world of the Spirit. I'm in the 10th step now. And I'm going to make the amend or call my sponsor or do an inventory. If somebody's in my head for more than three days, I'm usually writing. So what, people ask, what's the difference between the personal inventory and the moral inventory of 10 and 4? To me, 10 is just a repetition. If you look about this business about watch for it, that's step, basically step 1 and 2. You know, Uh-oh, I'm not feeling right right now. We ask God at once to remove them. One, two, and three. I need God. I'm angry now. I don't like this. Please take this away before I retaliate. Four and five. We discuss it with someone immediately. That's four and five. Realize if I got a part in it, that's six and seven. And then make amends quickly. Eight and nine. So it's a real, it's ten. If you want to look at it that way, and other people disagree with me, it's kind of a recap of all the, of the, the spiritual lessons I've learned through going through the first nine steps. In one little paragraph, or a couple lines in a paragraph. But now I'm in the world of the Spirit, and I can comprehend serenity. If I can comprehend serenity and know peace, I know when I'm not serene and I'm not peaceful. And I can, it'll crop up and I'm aware. It's an awareness step 10. Okay? And here comes the promises. Oh, a great line, though. We resolutely, oh, I forgot to mention 10, 11, and 12. We resolutely turn our thoughts to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code. So there you got step 10 is a total recap of 1 through 12. But we're going to get specific about 11 and 12. And these are the 10-step promises. Also, some of my favorites. We have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even food. For by this time, sanity will have returned. We will seldom be interested in compulsive overeating if tempted we recoil as if from a hot flame. We flame. We react sanely and normally, and we'll find this has happened automatically. I'm not white knuckling it anymore. It's just happened. We will see that our new attitude towards food has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It's been lifted. What did Bill say? I'm a free man. It just comes, but it's not going to come unless you do the work. Okay, that's my experience. Anyway, it's the experience of the book. That is the miracle of it. It's a miracle. Harlan's a miracle. Guy was dying, 700 pounds. We're not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. I'm not fighting food. I was when I, I was on Gracie for the first two weeks. I'll tell you that. I was fighting it. Um, we feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. We have not even sworn off. I'm not saying I'll never eat compulsively again. I will stay away from ice cream the rest of my life. I'm not doing that. Instead, the problem has been removed. What did Abby say to Bill? 
what's this, Abby, on the waterway? No, I'm just not drinking today. I just feel the obsession has been lifted. Right? This happened back in 1934. We're still in here today. It's removed. The obsession is gone. Okay? It does, instead, we, the problem is removed. It does not exist for us. We're neither cocky nor we're afraid. That is our experience. Now, when I, when I say I'm not cocky, it means if I'm going on a plane flight, I will brown bag just in case they don't have abstinent food. I'm not going to be like I used to be and be arrogant. You know, I've got to take care of myself. I have a food plan. I stay connected. When I go to a foreign... I went to Medellin, Colombia, and the first thing I did was hook up with AA and OA. I was in an OA meeting within a day of being there. I'm not cocky about this. I know I'm a compulsive overeater. I know I need to stay connected. I need to be on all sides of the triangle. Part of that is going to meetings. I had a great experience, by the way, doing that. So that is our experience. That is how we react so long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. So this is a spiritual program. It's not a diet and calories club. Okay, it's easy to rest up on the spiritual program of action and rest on our laurels. We're headed for trouble as we do for compulsive overeating is a subtle foe. Subtle foe. We are not cured of compulsive overeating. What we really have is a daily reprieve contingent on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. Okay? Not whether or not I got 12 commitments or, you know, I got the best food plan or... You know, it's your spiritual condition. You know, you got to be all sides of the triangle. It's equilateral. Okay? Yes, you should be in your meetings. Yes, you should be talking to your sponsor. Yes, you should have your service commitment. Yes, you should have a food plan. But what are you doing for your spiritual condition? Are you getting rid of the resentment, anger, envy, frustration, and fear through the inventory process and the immense process? Not much theology, really, Bill. You just get honest with yourself about your defects. Join, a, you know, stop living alone. You make a, an inventory and you share it with somebody and then you go out and make restitution to anybody you harm the best you can do. And then you just pray to whatever God there is out, out there and you help people without any sense of prestige or remuneration or consideration. Nothing complicated, Bill. Not much theology. You heard it. And Bill's saying that's, the, that's still at the essence of the program today. That's the, that's the guy who wrote this book saying that, not me. You just heard it. I didn't make that up. All right, so you're into your spiritual condition. You're into daily maintenance. You're trying to carry God's will in all activities. Do I do this perfectly? Hell no. You know. But once you're in it, how do we start the day? Prayer and meditation. Step 11, I say the morning prayer. Actually, I don't do the nightly reviews always. I sometimes do, but I start with my morning prayer. God direct my thinking, divorce it from self-pity, dishonest self-seeking motives. The whole idea of this is clear the channels through spiritual work, inventory restitution. Then your channels open and you can get direction and guidance from a higher power. But when you... It's stay in the now. You All through the day on page 87, you ask what your next steps to be. It's just like when you're in the steps, you need power to go to just the next step, right? Once you've gone through the steps, you're in, you're in a fit spiritual condition. You've entered the world of the spirit. 
you're asking for direction and guidance to do the next right thing. And you don't pray for selfish things, like, you know, new car, new boyfriend, whatever you're looking for, new job, you know, hit the lotto. I used to do that, but I don't anymore. I just pray, all right, God, keep me sober, abstinent today. What can I do for the man who still suffers? You know, are we going to do askets? Well, I'm going to, we're going to take a group conscience. <clears throat> um, most of these questions are about the previous steps early on, or um, we can roll on. And run yeah, into, uh, I'll try and, the, the, yeah. Finish up step 11 and 12 and, and go into our day like that. So, um, Is that all right? I'll try and get... If you'd like to have Roy finish up by finishing up the steps and... Okay. Okay, I'll Done. keep it moving. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna move quickly because the book's pretty clear on page um, 86 and 87 about what your meditation process is really about. It's about seeing who you've harmed during the day. The nightly review. Some people write a nightly review too. You know what they did well today, what they did poorly. Do they owe any amends? Did they were they in fear? They'll read it to their sponsor the next day. But I begin with my morning meditation ritual usually begins with for today, which is the OA reader, which is my favorite reader of all of them. I usually also read the Al-Anon reader, Courage to Change. I also read page 86 and 87 of the big book. I used to read like two pages of the big book every day and just go through the first 164 pages and start over again. But lately I've been reading for today, Al-Anon reader, and two pages. And I start praying. And I put my watch on 20 minutes and it's all about, I pray for anybody that I might be resentful, and I ask for the willingness to make any amends if I think I owe them. I pray for character defects to be removed, and if I think I got a problem. And I'm, but basically, I'm, I'm, if, I, if there's something, like a sponsor or a friend who's going through something, I'll pray for them and ask. It's real clear, though. We, we ask especially for freedom from self-will and are careful, careful now, Page 87, make no request for ourselves only. No more, I, I should win the lotto. I was trying to be cute, and I used to, I invented this thing called cross praying. I said to my buddy John, he had a rock band, he wanted more gigs. I said, all right, John, I'll pray that your band gets more gigs, and you pray I win the super lotto. You see? I invented this. It's called cross praying, you know. It says I can't, I can only pray for help from others, right? I mean, I'm on the cutting edge of this spirituality shit. I want you to know. I'm a guru on this shit. But I realize, you know, come on, what am I doing here, you know? But it is, it, I was doing it for a while, I swear to God. I, and I said, John, are you praying for me? <laughs> I'm praying for your band, man. Are you praying I hit that lotto? Because I kept buying tickets. I wasn't it. Anyway, uh, sometimes memorize a few set prayers which emphasize the principle. I usually say that, like, the, uh, I say that thing... It's not even, it's God, you're my director, I'm your actor, I'm your, you're my principal, I'm your agent, you're my father, I'm your son, you're my employer, I'm your worker. And then I say the third step prayer, and I say the old Oxford group third step prayer before the book was written. It's actually mentioned in the book, where the hell is that Oxford group prayer? Um, God damn. Uh, Oh, man. I think it might be in Dick Stanley's story, which is in the third edition. Probably not in your fourth edition, but... I can tell it to you. 
Well, it said... The prayers, it's in the big book somewhere. I forget. And I don't... It's, it says... God, here I am and here are all my troubles. I made a mess of things and can't do anything about it. You take me in all my troubles and do anything you want with me. That's the original pre-AA Big Book third step prayer from the Oxford group. Uh, hold on, let me see if I can actually find it in this damn thing. No, I'm pretty sure it's in... Hold on, let me see God damn. Let me see if I have it. Maybe, I wonder if it's an Earl Treat story, the one where he was given the uh, Oxford Group Six Steps. Let me just check that for one second. 292 in the third edition. No. It's in... It's in, it's in one of the stories. It's the, but that's the prayer. God... Here I am, here are all my troubles. I made a mess of things and can't do anything about it. You take me in all my troubles and do anything you want with me. And that was the original third step prayer. And I saw I'll say that in my morning ritual. And let's see. The key, the toughest part for me is to pause when agitated. It talks about as we go through the day, you know, we've asked for spiritual guidance. We've stepped into the world of the spirit. I wrote a list of the five toughest things for me to do in recovery. Okay? And they're all from the big book. First one is pause when agitated. When I'm in traffic or something, boy, that, you know, that's tough for me. I got, you know, it really is. But I, I do try and I do pray. Second one is to avoid indulging in cynicism over the state of the nations. I stopped trying to, you know, watching TV and all the news and all that crap. Three, avoid then the deliberate manufacture of my own misery. That's, the book counsels me to avoid that. God didn't do it to us. We created our own problems, says the book. God didn't do it to us. Traffic shit, you know, being honest with the employment development people, you know, that kind of stuff where I catch myself running on instinct fear, you know, I'm not going to get mine, you know. Very difficult for me, because I'll do something that'll put me in a position to be hurt, see. I'll make a decision based on self, which puts me in a position to be hurt. The fourth thing is to practice these principles in all my affairs. Okay, oh, I'll take care of the food, hey, take care of the booze, but I'm going to handle, you know, finance, romance, whether I pay my taxes, how I drive, you know. That's tough for me. i got to realize that I have to do spiritual principles in all my affairs. And then five... Put principle, this is from the traditions, principles before personalities. Because you know we have personalities in these 12-step programs. And I will collide with them based on my character defects. Or sometimes based on their character defects. If you do an inventory or something and discover you're not at fault, and you really just were unlucky to be in the path 
of a stray asshole, you know. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes, sometimes you don't owe an amend, you know. You know, some guy runs a red light and runs into your car, and he's trying to get out of the. Usually, I'm I'm creating that kind of a problem, frankly. But you know, it happens. It happens that you're dealing with a sick person. You're you know you part you can't afford to cop the resentment and hate them, but maybe you don't owe an amend. But those are the five toughest things. Let me talk about step twelve, and then we'll take questions. And this is where the book thumpers they hate the twelve and twelve, or they try to deny its existence. You know. Bill's clear in here that you can do service and help people. 12-step work, according to him, and according to our OA 12 and 12 also, consists in many ways, service and meetings, just being the humble greeter, setting up the chairs, you know. Some people seem to have talents for different things. Some people can sponsor. Roy, by the way, just so you know, we're going to roll until 1130 without questions. So don't uh, all right. Well, I want... We've got 15 minutes. Okay. okay. Well, uh, and... Uh, you know, I, the book thumpers say the only way to do 12-step work is when you got a, a newcomer sitting in front of you and you take them through the book. Bill disagrees and I disagree. I think you can do service in whatever way you can. And you can, you now it's a spiritual principle, you cannot transmit what you do not have. So if you haven't gone through all the steps and had a spiritual awakening, you know, maybe you shouldn't be taking people through the steps. But if you've gotten some abstinence together, you've got your meetings, you've got your food plan, you're losing a lot of weight, you've lost 100 pounds, and some suffering 100-pounder comes in, yes, you can offer yourself at least as a food sponsor. You know, you can't transmit what you don't have. So I firmly believe that you, as soon as your head's clear, I will suggest to a newcomer to get into the book, go through the steps. Or you can read the OA 12 and 12 too, or the AA 12 and 12. I'm not a fanatic. <laughs> But try and work the steps out of the book and get that spiritual contact as soon as possible. Why wait? It's good to have your food plan in, in place and your abstinence. You know, it's good to have some clarity. Maybe you're not sugared up to here. But I don't, as soon as you're clear enough to go through the steps, get through the steps and help, and then help other people through the steps. But meanwhile, if all you can do is set up the chairs or be the greeter, or work the literature table, whatever it is, do it. You know, you can help people. And sometimes a newcomer will hear somebody like me talking, you know, not not understand what the hell I'm talking about. But if you say I've been abstinent for a week and I've given up sugar, you know, they're going to go up to you, you know, rather than me, because they don't get me yet and they're not ready for me yet. You know, there's an old AA joke about the guy with. You know, a week of sobriety, the guy with three years of sobriety, the guy with 30 years of sobriety, you know, give their little talk. And then the newcomer comes up and he says, he goes to the guy with 30 days of sobriety and says, how do you do it? You know, he can't relate to the other guys yet. You say, so you help people at whatever level you're at, but you can't transmit what you do not have. Twelve-step work, as outlined in the book, I had a friend of mine at the agnostics meeting. Every once in a while, I go to their meeting just to, to keep an open mind. And there's some interesting people, and they had me speak there. So they, they, but they talk about, and nowhere in the book does it says the book says. So they don't like book thumpers, you know. But people are always quoting from the literature. They want, 
They want there to be no God because they haven't made contact yet. And they're not going to admit that they haven't really done the program. They don't like people quoting from the book. But the book actually talks about, in early on in the, in the um, in one, somewhere in the forwards, we want to hear, or the preface, we want to hear from people who've had results. Oh yeah, here it is on the XIV, which is, this is the third edition. This is forward to the first edition. The last, next to the last paragraph, we shall be interested to hear from those who are getting results from this book, particularly from these, from those who have commenced work with other compulsive overeaters. We should like to be helpful in such cases. So, of course, it never says the book says, because they didn't have anybody telling them the book says, you know. But the book does write, it's down in black, black words in the blue book, we want to hear from people who are working with people out of this book. So, obviously, when the book was published, you know, and it didn't sell at first, but eventually they got a little publicity, the Rockefeller dinner, then by the time the Saturday Evening Post ads came out, they wanted this book. And Clarence Snyder used to talk about, we'd always have the literature table, and we'd put out a couple books, and they were always stolen by the end of the, you know, this was the height of the Depression, nobody had money. $3.50 was about over $50 today in today's money. That was an expensive book when it came out, the first edition. They, they always stole it, you know, from the literature table. Nobody had any money. But people were working out of the book. So 12-step work can be in service. You know, by 12-step work, though, it's referring to the 12-step. And what does the 12-step say? Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. You know, we thought to carry this message that I've had a spiritual awakening. So it's a question, is doing service, is, is putting out chairs 12-step work? Is being the treasure 12-step work? Is being the greeter 12-step work? Is being a food sponsor 12-step work? You know, you're carrying a message of some sort of service and recovery. But the, you know, but that's the book thumper case for saying is you're not really doing 12-step work until you've been through the steps themselves, had a spiritual awakening, or taken other people through the steps. That's their point of view. Bill Wilson, I just want to make you aware, and don't let me read your big book for you, or your 12 and 12, and your OA 12 and 12, because the OA 12 and 12 says basically the same thing. The spiritual substance of anonymity. Oh, that's the tradition 12. Hold on, excuse me. The joy of living is the theme of OA's 12 step. And action is the key word. So you don't sit on your, rest on your laurels. You get into action. Okay? Um, Even the newest of newcomers finds undreamed rewards as he tries to help his brother, compulsive overeater, the one who is even blinder than he. So he's saying, you know, you can start, you can start helping people immediately as soon as you get in the program. He, Bill Wilson says this is 12-step work, okay? Nor is this the only kind of 12-step work. He's talking about people carrying a God message. We sit in OA meetings and listen not only to receive something ourselves, but to give the reassurance and support which our presence can bring. Just sitting in a meeting, giving some consistency and stability so that newcomer knows, well, that person's always at that meeting, you know, even... 
that you know, if it, our turn comes to speak it to me, we again try to carry the message. Um, this is still twelve-step work. There are many opportunities for those of us who feel unable to speak, who are so situated we can't. All right, we can't do much face-to-face twelve-step work. We can be the ones that take on the unspectacular, but important tasks that make good twelve-step work possible. Perhaps arranging for the coffee and cake after. Well, that doesn't work in OA. Arranging for I don't know what after the meeting. Where so many skeptical, suspicious newcomers have found confidence and comfort in the laughter and the talk. This is 12-step work in the very best sense of the word. So he's saying that you can do 12-step work in many ways. The original implication is I've had a spiritual awakening. I'm carrying this message. And I'm working out of the book with people. Okay? You decide. But I do suggest even newer members take service commitments, you know, get into it as soon as possible. And you might be able to get through a newcomer when they'll listen to a guy like me and they'll, what the hell is he talking about? Yellow jackets stinging them and all that shit, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, you, you know, you may be able to get to somebody I can't reach. I think it's time to take questions. I don't know if there's any uh, else I want to say except that uh, by allowing me to come here and carry this message that I've had worked through the steps and had a spiritual awakening and the obsession's been removed, just you're allowing me to come here and carry the message reinforces my program. That's how I do my 12-step work. So uh, I want to thank you for listening and now we can take questions. And here comes the basket. 20 questions in seven minutes. So, you know, wow. God, uh, 20 questions in seven minutes. We have to be out of here sharp, huh? 1130? Oh, boy. Can, can you s- still more on step 10 while you're... Can you still move on to step 10 while you're making your amends? Yes, the book says you immediately... Do, yes. On the uh, middle of page 291... Right. Um, it says something about... It says... Uh, uh, having the meeting, it says the meeting lasted an hour and closed with the Lord's Prayer. After it was closed, we all retired to the kitchen and had coffee and donuts for more than two hours. Well, we only have donuts, of course. <laughs> but one of the things it says is uh, we, we closed the meeting with the Lord's Prayer, and um, in no way that's been forbidden now. Is it forbidden? Yeah. Oh, really? Well, you know, that's a tradition issue. We did leave the Oxford groups because they were Christian. You know, they're reading out of the New Testament. And the Catholics couldn't go to Oxford group meetings. That's one of the reasons we had to break off from the Oxford groups. It became a sectarian thing. For whatever reason, well, you know, each group is autonomous. You can close with the Lord's Prayer, and then if the if World Service sends you a letter saying, we've heard you're closing with the World's Prayer, this is against our traditions, you can send them back a letter that said, tough shit, we took a group conscience and we're doing it. And uh, we don't feel we're violating any spiritual practices, and they really can't do anything to you. However, I don't necessarily believe in being defiant. I see, I, I, I ask, I, the meetings I started... I always put in the format, close with a prayer of your choice. And some people will try and change that to only the serenity prayer or whatever. See? I always try and fight it. Sometimes I win the group conscious and sometimes I don't. I'm Jewish. I have nothing against the Lord's Prayer because I've read the New Testament twice. And I think I love the spirit of the prayer. You see? So it doesn't offend me. 
But it's usually the militant agnostics and stuff or atheists who think that a, uh, OA or AA is trying to be a religion and shove something down their throat. So I have nothing against it. You're autonomous, and if we close with the Lord's Prayer today, it wouldn't bother me, but I won't violate uh, a group conscience, okay? The answer to this question is, can you move to step 10 while you're making your amends? Definitely, the book says you can. We, you know, Man, there's blank sheets of paper here. <laughs> this is frustrating. All right. Hey, Roy, I want to start a leaded step study and debating between OA 12 and 12 or Big Book for Newcomers. Thanks. I don't. Well, you want to start one? There's no question here. Go ahead and start one. <laughs> All right. Those are the ones I've done. Oh, okay. How do you do 10, 11, and 12? Well, I think I covered that. <laughs> on both page 60 and on page 63, it says we are now at step three. Why does it mention this twice, you think? No. Well, that's true. You know, people... I don't think there's a big significance in this. The book thumpers think everything's divinely inspired and all this. I just think he get, he repeats himself. And step three requires that admission that a life based on on self-will is destined for failure. And then you're ready for the ritual prayer and the next part on 63. The prayer is really a confirmation that you've already made that the first requirement is to admit that a life based on self-will. You've met the requirement and, you, and you've decided that you want this thing. And you've read the ABCs. And then page 63, you're doing the prayer. The prayer and Sherman points this out too, but prayer is really a ritual confirmation that you've already made the decision. And that's why it says the wording can be, can be optional. Make up your own third step prayer. It's really a ritual that you've done it, you've made the decision. A question related to step 3 and 11. When a challenging situation arises in my life and I see conscious contact with God, I arrive at a solution. How do I know God's plan versus my own ego creating a plan that it can rationalize as being God's plan? Basically, how to detect self-deception in knowing God. This is a great question. You always get asked this. I used to ask it when I was newer. Basically, God's will for me is not to eat to be happy, joyous, and free, not to hurt other people or myself, okay, and to stay active in 12-step programs. That's God's will for me. I, I can pray on a specific decision. I can ask for guidance and direction. And then I, if I don't get a clear voice, I can keep praying or I can take an action and see the results. Usually if something is flowing and seems to reinforce my serenity, happy, joyous, and free, it's probably God's will. If something's putting me in the shits, it's probably something based on my will. We can't go on even a little bit over the end? or is that? Or we, the, have a, we have a commitment to them to be out of here. To be out of here, huh? Uh, wow. Can we, we can't do it outside or anything? Or we, have to be off, we have to be off the premises by... Uh, we have to be off the premises by like, like No, 12? we have to start cleaning up and getting out of here if you want to uh, take questions. Look, I have later. a bunch of questions. If, you, if your question is in here and you still want an answer, 